0: What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from... William A. Abira, An inmate at the California State Prison. San Quentin, this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different, complete spy, which is the guy who walked the walkways of San quits death row without a gang, without a group of people around me. It was just
1: a Soon after you went into to be on death row, Welcome to Death Row Diaries. I am Matt Ralston. And I'm William Najera. And if you're listening to this, you're a Patreon or Anchor subscriber, and we do appreciate you guys very much. And we wanted to do something special today, and this is a case, Bill, that I think you're a little bit obsessed with. Am I right? Yeah, I like this case. It's
0: a a whodunit case, and it's really interesting, and both you and I agree this would be a great uh, Patreon uh, special episode that probably will go into several episodes. Actually, we're sure it's going to go into several episodes, but it's a great case, and if that's the case of Barry and Honey Sherman, Uh, then they're multi-billionaires that were found murdered, or maybe not, in their home.
1: Right, considered a suicide, even though I would say that that I'm pretty incredulous to that. Should we just kind of get that out of the way?
0: Yeah, uh, well, you know, we'll definitely definitely get into you know the sometimes the the, the incompetency of professionals that first ruled as a. Suicide, then murder suicide, then a double homicide. So, yeah, we're going to get into that, and I'm sure that the listeners are going to find it interesting on um, the type of mistakes that law enforcement are still making in the 21st century on stuff that should be pretty uh, general and when it comes to murders.
1: Yeah, so I guess like. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded to give the most basic background information i think he said that this guy was a billionaire he's one of the richest people in canada he's very uh prominent on the philanthropy circle which means uh not paying your taxes by the way but we can talk about that later um and he he's not self-made his father owned a pharmaceutical company he essentially inherited it i don't know if he's a you know good businessman or not um uh and anyway so him and his wife were found murdered in their home and sort of posed in awkward positions and uh, i don't know help me out like where do we kind of kick kick this off here
0: yeah I, I think that you're on the right track obviously and um so the, the family or the, the name of the, of the couple are barry and honey sherman as you mentioned and they are um billionaires, uh, and they were found by their real estate agent, Elise Stern, and she told investigators that she was giving a tour of the home, the Sherman's home, when she discovered the bodies in the basement pool area, which I guess they have an indoor swimming pool, and I guess that's very synonymous with uh, billionaires, and the bodies were found slumped over in kind of a semi-seated position but they were stretched in the front. They looked like they were posing, they were posed in yoga positions. And then their heads were held up by a belt strap that was around their necks. And it was tied to a railing a few to, a few feet off the ground. So this, I mean, at first you could probably look at it and say, wow, David Carradine comes to mind, you know, the whole closet. I'm going to choke myself out while I masturbate thing. And you, you look at it this way and, But of course, if you're an experienced investigator, you soon discover, you soon look at the the, uh, tall tale signs of the area and know that this is not that, this is obviously, you know, a homicide. Uh, But uh, so I think we should start by getting into who these people were. And there's a lot of back and forth about who Barry Sherman was. So let me get into what I know, Matt, if, if you don't mind, and... Give kind of a rundown of how this guy became the billionaire that he became later on in life.
1: Yeah, you got the floor. Go ahead.
0: All right, so this kid, this guy, he was a kid. He was an academic prodigy. This guy was an extremely intelligent young man. At 16 years of age, he had already begun his climb to the engineering uh, degree at the University of Toronto. After he graduated as a teen, he enrolled at MIT earning a PhD in astrophysics. So that tells you the type of individual that we're dealing with. This is an extremely mentally intelligent, uh, extremely high IQ, emotionally intelligent, and some say later on a bully when it came to business. So, how he got his fortune or how he as you mentioned, he inherited it, really is not how it really happened. When he was very young, his uncle Lou Winter suddenly died. His uncle had a generic drug company called Empire Laboratories or Laboratories, if you want if you drink your tea with your pinky in the air. (laughs) And you know, for about a few years the company was doing pretty well. But Barry, since his uncle dies, buys the company for $250,000, which is a pretty good bargain deal. But look, this is 1970s, early 1970s, 250K is a lot of money. After a few years of growing the company, Barry and a partner sold it to ICN Pharmaceuticals for $2 million. And this is 1974, then he launched Apotex in 1974, latter part of 1974, which was the pharmaceutical company that he founded. Now, over the next several decades, Apotex, or Apotex, however you want to pronounce it, turns into Canada's largest generic drug company. And it gave Barry a personal wealth of about five to 10 billion dollars now, that's a pretty mess. That's a pretty big swing, 5 to $10 billion. The reason it's so, like, such a, a gap there that no one really knows is this guy had his hands in a lot of cookie jars. Some of them were straight. Some of them not so straight. He had several interests in companies that no one knew about. So that's why his word swings between 5 and $10 Billion with a B uh, and of course it leads to people wondering what this guy was really into and why he and his wife Honey were murdered in terms of Honey really quickly because there's not a whole lot about her earning the f- uh, building the future or the or, or, or really basically building the fortune Honey is the daughter of two Polish Holocaust survivors And she married, she married um, Barry in 1971. And while he built the company, she devoted herself to philanthropy. And she was considered the queen of Toronto, of the Toronto Jewish community. She was extremely generous. A woman who got behind many causes and was considered by all accounts an extreme. So that's basically the history of both of these people. Um and I just wanted to lay that kind of foundation before we got into really the murder and the murder scene, Max.
1: Yeah. So you touched on um there maybe kind of a some shady business dealings. Um and I happen to think and I'm curious of your opinion on this, but you really can't be completely straight and become a multi billionaire. Um Maybe it's happened a few times, but I'm frankly, I'm really sick of these guys, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, these guys that that took government money and are anti-government. And I don't think anyone calls them out on it. And, and you know, I mean, that's just the start of it. But I guess we'll pick it up when you call back. But I'm wondering if you agree that it's fairly impossible uh in this society to become a a billionaire and not have people that want to kill you. So let's pick that up. Okay. I'll
0: call back. Hey Matt, I'm back.
1: Yeah. So I guess what I meant, I guess it was kind of a weird question, but if I was found, you know, strangled, kind of slumped over, it'd be a little more plausible that it was suicide because I don't have any enemies or people that are, really pissed at me for probably pretty good reasons. So that's kind of what I'm getting at.
0: Well, yeah, in your case, uh, you know, Matt, we'll have to take into consideration the, uh, the David Carradine scenario that you were in your closet, you know, trying to asphyxiate yourself while you were trying to get off. So yeah, I, maybe not a Matt Ralston angle. <laughs> probably be a better idea to look at normal people rather than the Matt Ralston uh you know, scenario. On this one.
1: No, that's a good point. And for the record, <laughs> right. if if that happens, I didn't do it. Just so you guys know. Exactly.
0: So, to your question about billionaires. So it is not just in today's world. You know, the Rockefellers, uh, the train guys that made the industry rise to where it was. The oil guys. You know, and in, in today's world, you mentioned Musk and all these guys and basil and stuff so in, in my opinion and again uh, you know I identify with billionaires my bank account isn't such so so much for the theory of identifying with certain people and you become them people so you know, I digress but yeah it, it's fairly impossible to amass that type of wealth in a society uh, that we live in without pissing a lot of people off probably bullying your way to the top and probably monopolizing the business sector that you are part of. And let's look at guys that we don't really talk bad about. Bill Gates, you know, a guy who really, you know, basically, you know, formulated the the modern airing of software and and companies of of computer and the the Internet, etc., now, we don't hear much about him being a bad guy like you do about Basil and Elon Musk because they're eccentric. doesn't mean they're bad guys, but they're eccentric. But I'm sure that Bill Gates along the way probably kicked a few doors through when it came to business dealings and how he monopolized the system. Um, so I agree. But this guy, Barry Sherman, we have clear evidence, clear evidence that he was a business bully um, and much more than some of his contemporaries, which we can look at like Elon Musk and Basil and Bill Gates, etc. And, and it, he really does attack his competitors. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. This guy – and look, let's look at the scene for a moment. Let me jump a little bit ahead, Matt, and look at the scene. These people were strangled instead of shot, which makes this extremely personal. Usually, if you hire a hitman to go do something, he puts two bullets in the back of your head and he walks off. Simple. This seems to be more of a personal uh, situation. The bodies seem to suggest that they were killed somewhere else in the house, moved, and then staged. That suggests a personal issue. Uh, did it have to do with his business dealings? We don't know. But at least at this point, we don't know. But yes, it seems very personal. And um, so let's talk about the murder scene, Matt. Um, and if you'd like to talk about the murder scene, I'll sit back and listen to you say about it and then come in and tell you some of the stuff that I know and I'm sure some of the things the audience wants to hear about.
1: Well, yeah, the only thing that maybe you can elaborate on because when you started talking, that's the first thought I had was personal, but it's as if the killer was almost toying with them, probably talking a lot of shit while it went down. Right.
0: Yeah, it's very possible. Look, you know, we see, NBA basketball games, you see guys out there and their mouths moving, you don't know what they're saying because the microphone's cut off but they're being very aggressive they're driving to the hole and they're talking shit to the guy they're beating I would imagine that a person in this type of personal setting, which I believe this is would be talking to them telling them why he's killing them so he gets himself to that position where he feels like emotionally he actually accomplished something Not just killing them, but let them know why they're dying. So that's the first thing. So obviously they were found in their Toronto home. Uh, There was no forced entry. It was December 13, 2017. So a little bit over five years ago. There was little to no DNA found. But let's let's halt there for a minute and remember that word. There was little to no DNA found. Mm -hmm. So They were, the people were discovered 36 hours after their death. Barry was 75, Honey was 70. And they died with, or from, of, ligature neck compression, which is basically strangled to death. And the crime scene suggests that they were strangled by the uh, apparatus that was tied around their necks and they were slumped forward. Very similar to what you and I talked about when people in a cell kill themselves. They're on their, they, um, they tie a rope around their neck to the cell bars and they allow themselves to slump and the weight of their body strangles them. This is similar to that. Um, and of course, this little bit over five year murder remains remains unsolved. Um, they were discovered by their agents, as I mentioned before, and they were in the pool room, the basement pool room. And I'm thinking it's a pool, like a swimming pool area, rather than a pool playing pool uh, room, like a, a billiards room. So that's something I, I'm not extremely. Uh,
1: no, aware I, of I think it was um, <clears throat> it was like a like a clubhouse, like a changing room, like a locker room type of thing. Uh, so it did so? Was it a pool area for? pool or was it a pool area for an indoor swimming pool? My understanding is it was, yeah, like the room that you would like change into your swimming clothes. Okay. So okay. yeah, they did. So I was right. They had, it, it's a kind of prerequisite for being a billionaire
0: having an indoor swimming pool. <laughs> but okay. So yeah. So you know, look at the type of impact this guy had. The, this is such a, High prestigious case that the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, whether you like him or not, he attends the funeral. But and here's where the problem is: despite the high-profile nature of this crime, the investigation by the Toronto Police Department was so badly screwed up to the level of complete incompetency. It's my question is, how the hell does a police department with a homicide division in today's realm of homicide investigation drop the ball this much? I mean, you're probably asking, well, what do you mean? Why? As I mentioned before, they don't know at first, was it a suicide? They they actually, they thought it was a suicide. Then they came back and said, well, we believe that Barry – Killed his wife, and then put her in that position, and then committed suicide by the same manner which he killed his wife. And then the police department comes back a couple days later, or a couple weeks later, and says, no, 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 that's, that's absolutely incorrect. This is a double homicide. I mean, look, if you go online and look at what you shouldn't do in a police investigation, these guys hit every freaking marker across the board. First of all, if they don't know it's a suicide, murder, or a suicide, or a murder, it should just say to the media, the the bodies of Barry and Honey uh, Sherman were discovered, an investigation is underway, and we'll let you know when we get through. But these people start putting stuff out immediately, and it's all wrong. It's completely freaking wrong. And that's just the first thing. The collection of evidence at the crime scene, was so botched that they missed DNA, they missed blood samples, they missed fingerprints, they missed everything. It just—it got so bad that the Star, which is a a journalist paper, and there's a guy by the name of Kevin Donovan, who is their lead investigator, or their chief investigator, goes into the police department and just basically starts talking shit to these people that they're botching the investigation, they're screwing it up, they have no idea what they're doing. He goes so far that he takes the Toronto Police Department to court just to get evidence and access to some of the records of what's going on because the investigation got to a complete standstill. Nothing was being done. So, yeah, I mean, not a good situation for police departments.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't know that much about Toronto. I, I tend to think of Canada as being kind of better at this type of stuff, like their government being a little bit more funded than ours are sometimes. But I don't know if you remember Rob Ford. Does that ring a bell? It does not. Oh. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. He was the mayor of Canada, and he was a a fat crackhead. It was hilarious. He was on crack all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. (laughs) Yeah, I remember him. (laughs) him. (laughs) Yeah, he got me now. Fat crackhead, yeah. Like, literally Chris Farley. Um, But uh, so if we just look at the, and I, I know we can go into more detail, which we will, but I'm if we can just start from a very basic standpoint. So if they're strangled while tied to this low hanging, you know this this rail that's not even the, the height of a person. Um, how would that? So wouldn't someone have to be putting pressure on them if it was a suicide? Uh, uh, sorry, if it was a murder, wouldn't wouldn't? someone need to be forcing them downward, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, actually, it's a great question, and a great insight, because, yeah, they're just, you don't know, sit someone there and put an intro on neck and say, okay, strangle yourself. Sure, you're right. They would have to have slumped forward and been unconscious to do that. However, I believe that the murders were committed somewhere else in the house. They were probably strangled somewhere else into unconsciousness, and then allowed to slump forward they're 70 and 75 years old probably not the greatest shape of out in the world billionaires are normally not in great physical shape because of all the luxuries of caviar and everything else they, they shove down their throats and, but these are the victims so i'm just being kind of a clown here but the truth is yeah they had to have been strangled somewhere else and then left in that position not so much to kill them but to leave a message that they were posed they were um Look, the killer was getting off on this. This is what the killer wanted to do. This is not a... I can't imagine this being a serial killer. This is just a guy who came in to do this for... Because I believe he was hired. This is not... Or, or again, it could be very personal. You know, but if he's hired, normally... Killers come in and shoot someone. They want to be in and they want to get out. This person took his time. This is a setup. This is a, a crime scene that he basically manipulated to his own liking. So it tends to to suggest very personal. And um, look, my biggest, I always work backwards, so and I take apart cases as I look at them. So my first question in this case would be, who is the most likely to benefit from their deaths? Obviously they're billionaires. So that a money situation is always, the biggest thing that comes to mind however barry was suing just so many different companies that he basically had a lawsuit he had a new lawsuit every week he had a special team of lawyers that all they did was harass sue other companies so if barry goes away the lawsuit basically go away not at first it will eventually because He's no longer the driving force And his kids aren't the way that he is Let me call you back and continue this man Hey man
1: Yeah so You were saying As we kind of talked about That there's a lot of people with a motive Pretty much right
0: Yeah I mean Of course well the first ones He has four children And they are the benefactors So if the police department Is doing what they're supposed to do they first have to really investigate each child, not the children as a whole, because it's very rare when four kids get together to do one particular issue. And I don't mean kids. I mean, these are, these are young I mean, these are men and women already. So it would get to be an individual thing. Was there a particular one of the, the children that had a beef with his father or mother? And was there um, you know, money owed or something? But as I mentioned before, Barry had a lot of dealings, and we won't get into today's episode. But I'm going to start little by little, little by little, opening the door to different motives, different people involved, and how this case really has come to a standstill. And that could be even something very strange—that maybe his killers are someone with a lot of power that they're able to to basically close the doors on investigations. That's something to consider too. We're talking about. 1000000000s We're not talking about a couple million bucks or some clown that's got a couple of million dollars in real estate. This guy was the most prominent and the largest pharmaceutical company or ph- pharmaceutical tycoon in Canada. So he was a very prominent guy, and as I mentioned, extremely aggressive. This guy was considered a bully in that world. And when you become a bully, there are a lot of weaker people that want to see you fall down. So, um, So about the kids. So shortly after the investigation started, which is a joke, the kids put up – and I want the listeners to take this into account because if you're like-minded like both Matt and I that like to look at these kind of cases and give our own opinion and try and discover what the real truth is behind the hidden doors, the family, me and the kids, have put up $10 million as a tip for any tip regarding – the revelations of that night, or to reveal what really happened to their parents. So take that in consideration. If you guys are looking for 10 million bucks, this would not be a, a bad way to try in your hobby of trying to investigate this case, listening to Matt and I, and really getting into the details of this case. It is a fascinating case, and I really can't wait to get into it.
1: Yeah, and that just kind of shows. The wealth that they have, I don't think the 10 million is, you know, something they're really struggling with or sweating. Um, I guess it did occur to me. So I don't know if I wanted to have someone killed. I might be able to find someone, but eh, probably not. And it's just not an interest of mine. But that world of the uber wealthy, those are the types of people that actually have those kinds of connections, you know
0: well, Barry would Barry's the billionaire he is the the king of that hill, so yeah if, if, if suddenly his wife ended up dead without him being there yeah, you look at him first because he probably has the kind of connection to hire a hired killer from a different country, or whatever but this involves him so the people that benefit would probably be which we'll get into the cast of characters they're suspicious you know, our cousins Family members, etc., and these people probably wouldn't have that kind of thing, and that's why I think that there's several mistakes in the killer's uh, actions that night that would suggest that maybe he's not the high-profile killer that you could hire, or someone like Barry Sherman was hired. He needed to this guy seems to be maybe a friend of a friend or a person who deals and dabbles in, in crime and, and decides to do this this way. So why do I say that? So because Kevin Donovan, the reporter from or the journalist from the Star in Canada has been really pushing, taking the people to court, meeting the police department, last December the police released a grainy video footage recorded on a home security camera of a shadowy man walking near the home of the Shermans around the time of the death. Uh, in October, the Toronto detectives expand the investigation to at least five other countries. So now that leads, maybe the false trail, but it gives the hint that they're working on the case, or at least giving the, the appearance to the public, hey, look, we're expanding to other countries. We have a video of a guy That could be just to kind of let people know, look, we're still working on it, stop sweating us. It could be exactly that. But the five other countries seems to really raise a bit of my antenna because it would suggest that other pharmaceutical companies or people behind other pharmaceutical companies that Barry was suing could be behind these murders. So let's look a bit at a cast of characters that seem a bit suspicious. Not that they are. We're just going to review them. So, Matt, um, here is a a bit of a, I don't know, a a teaser. There are two odd men who, a couple days before the Sherman death, toured the Sherman home. The house was obviously for sale, but they were there before the murders. There was no, these guys haven't surfaced again. They basically disappeared. People have spoken about them. Hell, if I had gone to that house and people were saying, well, that mysterious Colombian guy or Hispanic guy, I would be the first one to the freaking police. Hey, it's me. I was there, but my motives were purely in interest to the home. And if I hear that the billionaire home that I'm gonna buy or was interested in buying, Uh, the the owners were killed in the house just a couple days prior. I would probably talk about it or at least suggest that hey, I was there, I had nothing to do with it, etc. So that, you know, a bit of a red flag. Okay, and then there's also Barry Sherman's bitter cousin who sued Barry for one billion dollars because he believes that Barry owes him a part of his fortune for Apotex, or Apotex, the company he founded in 1974, because his cousin is related to his uncle who died, and Barry bought the company for $250,000 and then sold it for several more million dollars, and from there expanded his business. So he believes that he is owed money because it was his family or his relative that basically gave Barry the type of money in order to expand in my opinion that's a hunk of crap just because I cut your grass you give me a few bucks and I turn it into a a business that makes millions every year landscape it doesn't mean I owe you anything so it's pretty baseless but it is there and there's also an ex-employee that was accused of espionage so here comes the international flavor to this case that um, we're looking at so Matt um, you know over the next few few episodes cause I want to make this into a kind of a thing of episodes where the, the audience can go out and start searching about this stuff thinking about it this is an extremely interesting case and I think that um, I'd like to talk about in the next episodes five riddles about this case or mysteries if you want that will cover you know, a real array of characters, people involved, maybe not involved, that really raises the eyebrow. And you're only going to get that on the Patreon section of death for diaries. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next few episodes. We're going to talk about this. And, you know, I want the audience to remember there's $10 million reward on this thing. So stay tuned, get involved. And if you are one of those, you know, private sues or, investigators that love this kind of stuff this is a case you definitely want to wrap your hands around no pun intended we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
1: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2.
0: Play it now with Game Pass. His
1: yeah, so you have these five riddles which you haven't disclosed to me, so I'm curious to hear about that next time. Um Before we go, I just want to ask you, because I, I don't want to forget before next week. Um <clears throat> so i knew one billionaire and he went insane because um people were constantly trying to borrow money from him he didn't even know who his friends were uh he had like a duffel bag full of prescription drugs and like eight cell phones and then he disappeared uh (laughs) but uh I think you know this about me, but I'm very irritated at lazy media narratives, so it only took about the fifth story of some bullshit news program talking about how Warren Buffett still lives in his same house before I had to throw the remote at the TV, because I'm like, why has no one kidnapped his ass? He's one of the richest people in the world. Like, you can't just live in a suburban neighborhood and not be concerned. Um And in fact, a friend of mine is from Omaha and he said, if you set foot on that guy's lawn, someone's just going to shoot you. So I'm like, well, there's the real story. I'm not sure why that didn't make the fucking report. But my point is, um, I don't know much about billionaires, but don't they usually have like security? Like, um, you know, don't they usually know that there's kind of a target on them for, for good reasons or not? And why did these people... You know, one of the richest people in the world by numbers. I mean, there's only a what a hundred or a couple hundred of them. So, why were they not concerned about protecting themselves that way?
0: Yeah, you know, I actually thought about. I, I was actually thinking about this several years ago about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett at one point was the billionaire, the, the richest man in the world. He um, he is known as the the Oracle of Omaha. And he is uh, a guy – and look, and that's, a, that's a perfect example of a guy who doesn't have a lot of enemies because from what I understand, everything he has was by investments in the stock markets. Did he manipulate stocks as possible? I don't know for a fact. But yeah, he was the richest man. I think he was, he was worth something in the neighborhood of $50 billion at one point, and he gave it all the way to the – uh, Gates Foundation. I mean, Bill Gates and his wife have a foundation that does charitable work around the world. And Warren Buffett basically gave him ninety-seven percent of his of his uh, um, of his fortune, and he left to his kids. He gave each one of them a trust worth five hundred million dollars. Which, yes, if you're a billionaire, it's not that much money. $500 billion has set me up for the rest of my life, my kids, my grandkids, and everything else in the next 100 years. And if you jack off $500 million, you're an idiot. Because you could stick that in a mutual fund and make between in a special uh, uh, preservation of wealth, moderate growth, and income fund, and put it there and let it there. And every year, you'll probably make something between, I don't know, 20 and $30 million a year just on interest alone, and you can live like a king. So... Uh, Warren Buffett, yes. In terms of your question, I wanted to give a little bit, I went off target to give a bit of insight into who this guy is. But yeah, I know that for a fact that he would drive that same little Chrysler or Pontiac, I think it was a 1997 Pontiac, and he drives it to freaking McDonald's every day having McMuffin and cheese every freaking morning. And if I know that, and I'm in freaking prison, there's gotta be people out there that say, whoa, this is the kidnapping of the century yet no one's done it. So
1: maybe he's smarter than both you and I, and he does have a SWAT team behind him no one sees, right? Yeah. I I know that Musk has a big security detail. Um, uh, He has a really punchable face, so I'm not a violent person. I kind of want to beat the shit out of that guy just for the hell of it. But, um, yeah, I just assumed that all these uber-rich, that they all had that, but I don't know. Anyway,
0: Well, they probably don't, but maybe he does. No one knows about it. But yeah, you're right. That's a very good point about a billionaire who who seems to live an ordinary life, lives in his first home that's been there for like 40 years. It's it's a nice home, but it's not a mansion by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, hey, Matt, let me call back. It's going to cut off, and uh, we'll finish this up. Okay. Hey, Matt.
1: All right. So yeah, we're going to leave it there for now. I'm not sure if you guys can hear the leaf blower. It's one of the most idiotic things that humans do. Uh, they actually made them illegal in Los Angeles, but that didn't seem to uh, curb the use of them, so it's probably a good time to leave it until next unless you have anything else.
0: Yeah, no, that's it. Just please stay tuned to the next Patreon um, episode of Death Row Diaries. Um, we're going to be following this case, and we're going to get into more detail about it. As I mentioned before, It's a fascinating case, and I believe that the you know, our diary followers are, will be very interested and are going to find this case to be uh, very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am I was uh, aware of the case, but now I'm like definitely going to go down a rabbit hole on this. So, uh, yeah. We'll uh, see you next time. Until then, I have been Matt Ralston.
0: And I'm willing to get it. up. Be safe, Be you're aware of your surroundings, your life could depend on it.